welcome back to the Bookshop Chronicles. As always, my name is Brandy. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, so you probably know by now that one of the mantras at Daisy Chain Book Company is creating a community of readers. That is one of the biggest things for me, creating a space where people feel seen and heard and valued and welcomed, appreciated. And today I am super pumped because you are going to have the chance to eavesdrop on a conversation that I'm having with one of our community who is astounding. Okay, she just is. Her name is Melissa Ahmed. And you know what? I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Here you go. Much just going to have a conversation. That's really all it is. Okay, good. I can okay. have those. I, I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> we have had many, many conversations. Oh my gosh! So when did you first start coming into the store? Um, it was definitely winter, and masks were a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to say I didn't see all your Christmas stuff, so. So, so after Christmas. Okay. But I have okay. been getting, so I moved back to Edmonton in May, 2020. And instantly one of my friends who lives here was tagging me in your posts. Really? Like as soon as maybe in the fall. So I moved to Maine. Then they're like, you have to go to this store. It's so cute. It's a bookstore. You'll love it. And it's, you can go to it. Because I come from Ontario where you couldn't go into anything because of COVID. So right, right. I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I never go downtown, really. And I got kids and they're annoying. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to, like, take into a shop. And then finally I just made it in. And then I started coming about once a week, I think. Yeah. Every Thursday, I think. Well, and your timing is always so good because when you come in, we can just hang out and talk in the store. It always seems to work out nicely when you and the girls visit that there's not a lot of other things happening in the store. So we can just kind of commit to that time having a conversation, which I love. Yeah. Well, it's helpful because I drop Sumaya, the four-year-old off at preschool and then I come back home, pick up Amina. So I basically get to your shop when it opens and then Mm -hmm. I have to leave no later than 11, 10. (laughs) <laughs> to pick my back up because there have been times where I've been late and I'm flying down the yellowhead and I'm like, I'm gonna have to explain to my husband that I got a speeding ticket because it's at the <laughs> bookstore too long. <laughs> and I'm gonna be late to pick up my youngest from preschool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the, these are the struggles. I hear you. I hear yeah. You. So it's always a good time because I'm right there when it opens. And then, you know, we kind of have about an hour to chit chat and Amina just grabs a book usually and sits down she does yeah she she is happy as a clam to sit there and just put her nose in a book as soon as I'm like you want to go to the bookstore today it's like there we go she's ready (laughs) she's at the door she's ate her breakfast she's like okay let's go so who says that young kids don't read anymore huh who said that Yeah, it happens all the time when I um tell people they're like how do you get her to read and I was like I just have always read to her and there's books everywhere. I'm a huge supporter of product placement. So there is books everywhere in my house and she just loves it. She just loves it. So she just does. Yeah. It's never something I've had to enforce or 
give like you have to read 30 minutes a day or this that it's the opposite it's like you have to stop reading we're at the dinner table it is rude <laughs> you have Boundaries, to stop reading girl. it is 11 30 at night go to sleep <laughs> oh I was like her I found all the ways I could sneak books into my into my life. If you put it on your lap and you look down enough, you can keep reading the same page or, you know, we did the flashlights under our blanket at night and all those things, whatever we could do. I remember it was almost like a sitcom because I went into her room and it was like 1130 and I'm like, give me your book. And she's like, this one. And I'm like, what do you mean this one? Give me all the books. And she started piling out and I left the bedroom with a stack of like 20 books. I'm like, how do you even sleep with all these books in your bed that you've got stashed? Literary insulation. That's what she's got. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So Melissa, tell everybody who's listening, because they are listening from all over the world. Tell everybody a little bit about you. What makes you awesome? And how would you describe your reading life? Well, so I am... A mom of two, and I'm from Ontario in Canada, because I know you're in other countries with this podcast. And um, we moved from Ontario to Edmonton at the height of the beginning of the COVID pandemic, and we drove across the country. So I, my husband works here, and we lived there, and he would fly back and forth, and everything shut down. So... I basically told him, find us a place to live. I'll be there in three weeks. And I packed up my entire house, threw my kids in my van, and we drove across the country. Um, Driving across the country with a toddler during a pandemic when all washrooms and places are closed is fun. (laughs) It's fun in Ontario when there's lots of trees and you can pull over and let her use the washroom. But when you get to Saskatchewan, and it's completely flat. <laughs> and you can see 30 kilometers each way. Mm-hmm. It's a little tricky, but it was an adventure for sure. So we landed here and we have been spending the past year and a half just exploring Alberta and loving it. And um, I homeschool my oldest, Amina. She's 10. And I think that's what makes me awesome is that I homeschool we love it we absolutely love it and it allows her the time to spend hours in a bookstore and a library and just follow her passion so um you are are also very passionate about a lot of things (laughs) that's one of the things that also makes you awesome very polite word (laughs) i'm passionate (laughs) yes (laughs) i am i'm passionate about a lot of things especially um things that have to do with social justice and human rights and just being a nice person. So I try to raise my kids like that. My reading life is eclectic, I would say. I go through phases based off of my real life. So if life is heavy or chaotic, my reading life is very light and fluffy. Um, I remember one of your podcasts, you had somebody who, who uh, is involved in like the justice system in court, and she reads very dark and scary books. I'm yeah. the complete opposite. Like my, if my life is very 
heavy, then I have to have, as you would call it, the cheesecake books. So I fluctuate. If it's um, nonfiction, I like a lot of true crime. And then I get into like holes. So if I'm reading like a book about Paul Bernardo, I read all the crime books about Paul Bernardo. And then this is why my life has to be light at the time, because that's very heavy. Mm-hmm. So um, right now my reading life is sporadic and light, I think. I think that's where I'm at because this has been a really hard year and a half for everyone. Mm-hmm. It has. So, but I am reading one book right now that isn't, it's, it's light in a sense. So it's Mitten Strings for God, which is, Um, I've talked to you about, I think at book club. So it's a reflection for mothers in a hurry. Um, And it's by Katrina Kensington, Kenzon. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) it's just basically about slowing down and refocusing. Usually I read this book every year when it snows. I don't know why it's a comfort book for me and snow is comforting. And then I put on all the like wintry smells and it's just very comforting. Um, but I needed it earlier this year, this year I needed it now. So it's just reminding you, you don't need to sign your kid up for every single thing. They're not all going to be Olympic swimmers and you don't need to wake up at four in the morning to drag a kid that hates to swim to swim class. Like you don't need all of these things. You just need to be with them and love them and nurture what they love and let everything else go. Let all this, the Instagram parenting ideas go because your kid's not going to be amazing at everything. And they're not going to love everything and you don't need to sign them up for everything. So this is a book that I've needed right now. It's just kind of reminds you to take pleasure in the stillness of motherhood because motherhood is very chaotic. Oh but it's, yeah. It's not these big chaotic moments that make a memorable childhood or the connections with your children. It's the stillness. It's the quiet moments. It's the family dinners. It's the taking your kids out for one-on-one dates. If you can, it's the board games. It's the, it's the reading together. It's even just, I don't, Amina and I don't read together because she just kind of takes a book and goes on her own, but it's the discussing the books. It's the, Mm -hmm. it's these kind of, moments that are much more impactful than you know spending thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars or hours in the car slugging them to all these things that you think are important so I just kind of needed this book to remind now where did you find that book in the first place was it a gift from someone or a recommendation this I heard on another podcast um, a homeschooling podcast and the the um, podcasters both love this book. And this is a book that they gift to um, any expected moms, any, anybody like this is, they just talk about, this is the book they give to everybody. So I had to get it. And I, I was a little, um, I don't do a lot of self-help 
books. It's not my thing. So I was kind of like, oh, this is like another parenting self-help thing. But it really isn't. It really, it was, the whole book has started off of a Christmas letter that this lady had sent to everybody saying, I'm not doing a big Christmas this year and this is why. And she got so many replies from that letter that it created this book. So it's really, it's just a really good, it's one of those ones I read every single year. So that's what I'm reading right now. And as you know, I don't really read more than one book at a time because I can't mentally, I get, I really just get very immersed in the books that I'm reading and I have to parent and eat and sleep so I can't immerse myself in multiple books yeah but there's I a am, balance there's a yeah balance. and because this is a book I, I read every year I can kind of just pick it up grab a chapter like I don't have to sit down and read from beginning to end so mm-hmm. um I am going to start our book club book for um the book club at your store um, but other than that, that's kind of where, uh, what I'm reading right now. Now, this book club that, that you're in, is this your first book club? It is. It's huh. so exciting for me. I've always, always, always wanted to join a book club. And um, so my husband works, anybody who doesn't know, my husband works up north in Alberta. Um he's a scaffolder. So he's gone for periods of time. So for me to commit to anything that I would have to not bring my kids to is something that I'm never really able to do. So for almost well over a decade now, because Amina's going to be 11, I haven't ever really been able to do anything for myself in Mm -hmm. that sense, because um, especially now that I live in Alberta, I don't have anybody here to like, I don't have my sister here or anybody to be like, here, can you watch my kids while I go to book club? So if my kids can't come, most of the time I can't come, but it kind of worked out um, with this book club that I can, I can join because my husband was working closer to home and we moved to Alberta. So it's, I'm very, it's very exciting. I like, I almost cried. Out of pure joy. (laughs) And I text my sister and I'm like, I joined a book club. And she's like, oh my God, finally. (laughs) Because I don't have, um, my sister reads a lot. But like somebody just to sit down and chat with books, Mm -hmm. chat to about books, I don't have really in my life. My husband isn't, isn't a reader. And I talk to my kids, but they don't read the same books I do. It's actually amazing to me how often I hear that in the book clubs that people say, there's just nobody else in my life who gets this. Nobody Nobody reads, so I don't have anybody to say, hey, let's talk about this book or what do you think about that or what are you reading? Nobody seems to have that in abundance. Like readers, we think that everybody does what we do. Like it's kind of a funny thing until you get out there and you realize, oh, wow, there's a lot of people who are feeling very isolated in their reading life because they don't have anybody to download that stuff with. Yeah, no, and it's always been like that for me. So I've always read, like always. I can't remember a time where books weren't a crucial part of my life. Um, Just I had an 
obscure childhood. And so uh, books were my safe place. Mm-hmm. R- stories took me out of what it was happening in my childhood and my home life. It gave me a safe place with people who would not hurt me and would love me, the characters of the book. And it was safe for me. And even as a teenager, you know, I hung out with my friends and I remember a lot of my friends that were guys were skateboarders and I'd sit there and I'd be reading a novel and they're all like hanging out and skateboarding and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, one more chapter. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, I was that person that no matter where I was, I had a book because no matter what was going to happen, if something, it was my safe place. I was carrying around safety. Mm -hmm. Um, And people who don't read don't really get that. So I've always kind of been the one person in my circle of friends um, or the one person of the people I knew that, that was like really a reader. And I do remember somebody coming to my house. So I had my first apartment when I was 17 and somebody came over and was like staring at my bookshelves and they're like, why do you have all these books? And I was like, to read them? And they're like, like, they could not understand why. <laughs> they're like, what? I'm like, right away, I'm like, this is not somebody who's going to be my friend. <laughs> what, a cra- what a crazy question to ask. Why do you have all these books? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Like, but have you read them all? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> or am I going to? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I've always been that, that person. Um, when my husband and I first got married, he would always see me reading he's like are you bored do you want to go do something and I'm like no and he's like so why are you reading and I'm like well a lot of people do associate reading with school or things they have to do or you know things that are not fun and recreational and satisfying and our personal choice but something is on the list of things we have to cross off exactly yeah no I um my grade nine uh, English teacher, Mr. Pekowski, the best teacher I've ever had, ever, would always comment that I read more in one semester than he read in 10 years. And it was always all these, like, I never had to do the book reports that he assigned because he always wanted to know about the books that I was actually reading. So he was the best teacher I ever had. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's it's interesting cool. that I take so much pleasure from reading that I almost find it sad that there are people who don't. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I just wish you could get into this because it's amazing. And there's something for everybody. You don't love what I'm reading, but there is a book for you. I promise Mm -hmm. you if you would just read it. But, you know, like my husband says, he'll read the same page 10 times and not retain. He's like, I just can't. It's yeah. boring. Let's watch a movie. <laughs> so Yeah. I just. And I think so many people are like that. And I've heard so often because of the pandemic that people's reading habits and their preferences have totally shifted. They just don't have the attention span. They need something like you were saying, when things are hard, you need something yeah. lighter. They need something that just takes them away, whatever it is. And one gentleman came in, we were talking about James Patterson books because James Patterson, he's like the master of the short chapter. 
Right. His chapters can literally be two pages long. I mean, that's, right. I wouldn't call that a chapter. I'm calling that no. a paragraph, but whatever. <laughs> and so people read his books. They feel like, okay, I'm, I'm building in success as I go. Two pages. Oh, another chapter. Good for me. And then you can, you, there's this um, feeling of accomplishment right. in that, which, you know, some people have found very surprising. And romance books have become super popular because it has a very predictable format. Yes. There's always a happy ending. There's all these, these things that happen that we know are going to be because they're always the same. And right. you just change the location, the guy's hair color and whatever, and you it's fine. It's but that's what we yeah. need. Yeah, 100%. I just, um, it's been so heavy. <clears throat> not only with COVID, but everything that's kind of spiraled out of the COVID situation, um, you know, and the, the awareness that has come out of it. If everybody wasn't sitting at home, would George Floyd's murder been as huge? No, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have, because there's been a hundred before him that right. were just like a new cycle, right? But everybody was bored. Everybody was at home. Everybody was hyper-focused on these things. Um, you know, and dealing with that and people's job loss and political elections and children being found at residential schools and all these things that I just can't read anything heavy. And I've tried. I've been like, okay, I'm good now. Well, I'm going to read Highway of Tears. And then I'm like, no, no, I'm not good. I'm not good. And I'm going to read something else <laughs> that has like fey people in it. And, you know, I remember yep. how I walked into the store one day and I was just like, I'm going to grab a book that I would never, ever read. And I'm just going to go with it. And I picked up The Cruel Prince. Mm hmm. And I never read a book like that. I usually stay away from any books that have maps. Because yes. I feel like if you have a map at the beginning of your book, and I may be scarred from The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> I can't keep up. If I have to keep flat, flipping back to the map to figure out where I am and trying to remember who people are, what kingdom people are from, I'm not interested. No, I, I'm the same. I can't keep up. So I read the book and... As you know, I messaged you and I'm like, I'm on the last chapter. Do you have the second book? I'll be there on Monday. And I think I was in your store within an hour. Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, I can't fast. wait till Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I need it now. So I've been actively reading books that I would never read. And I think that's what I love so much about the book club because we are kind of just bringing what we're reading and talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I've been opening up to what other people read. I probably am not going to read some of it, but I love watching other people talk about things that I would never talk about. I mm -hmm. would never even think about said book. So to like see people who are so excited, I get so, there's one person in our book club when she goes to talk, I get so excited and she was talking about The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And I was so happy watching her. And I will never read those books. I've tried. I've tried more than once. I can't even really get through the movies. But just watching her so happy made me so happy. It's true. It is contagious. It is contagious. Yep. It is so contagious. So, yeah, I've just been trying really hard 
to, I, it's like a, a moral dilemma for me. So I'm very much like, you have to be aware of what's going on. Like it's your responsibility. But then it's like, at what point do I also have to not break? If you know what I mean? Like if everything's oh, yeah. happening in the world and yep. watching the news, do I need to read five books about the same topic that's making me cry? You know? Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to balance that, that out. I think that's smart though. There's only yeah. so much we can take at one mm-hmm. time. And then those things are actionable. So whether you're learning about Black Lives Matter or um, the way we can align better with the Indigenous community because of our dark history and all of these things, they're actionable. So once you put one of those books down, you kind of want to do something a little different. And maybe what you've just read will inform your next reading decision. It doesn't have to be about the same topic, but now your lens has changed. So now you're going to yeah. read the next book with a different perspective, which I think is exactly the healthy kind of way we should be reading. Letting yeah. things influence us so that we can be better, more healthy readers. Yeah, that's 100%. the goal. I, I, and I love when you equate reading to food because that's really a language I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you can't I eat, do. I you do. Know, I you love can't eat it. The heavy roast beef every day of your life, you're going to die mm-hmm. of yeah. a heart attack. Yeah. It's not healthy. And, yeah. you know, and there are those books, Starlight Tour, which you've heard me talk to you, talk mm-hmm. about. Tell us about that book. Well, that book changed my entire life. I read that book, I want to say over a decade ago, but I'm not sure when it came out. A long time ago, anyways. And it was... Um, it's the story about Neil Stonechild, and he um, he was taken out by the police. It's called the Starlight Tour. So the police scoop up Indigenous kids in the middle of the winter and take their coats and their shoes and drive them out of the city and make them walk back. And anybody who knows Canadian winters, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember if it's Winnipeg or Saskatoon. I want to say it's Saskatoon. Either way, it's very cold. And it's probably minus, you know, anywhere between minus 10 to minus 40 degrees Celsius. And these kids are taken out. Um, They're teenagers, but I consider those children. And taken out of the city and left with no shoes and jacket and made to walk back. And he died. And... um, it's just, it just goes to show the systematic racism in our Canadian police system and our society as a whole. And it's one of those books that absolutely changed my life. I never knew about it and I recommend it to everybody. I've bought this book so many times, I can't even count because I've given it away every time I tell somebody about it. And it's one of those books that just has stuck with me and changed my life and changed my heart and set me on a path of allyship with our indigenous um, population here in Canada and around the world really, but um, has made me an active participant. Uh, Since then I joined all of the marches for murdered and missing indigenous women every year. I'm at every rally. I try my best to be a voice of allyship. 
So this is a book that has stuck with me forever and probably always will. But these are also the books I need to spread out because I do have to be able to function. And that's the dilemma for me because I feel like the people who go through these things don't have the privilege to not go through them. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to have the privilege to take a break from it. And so that's a dilemma for me. Um, Do I have the right to take a break from it while people can't? So this has been something I've been dealing with or trying to work through um, on a deeper level this past year because everything has been so in the forefront of our lives that I've had to then make my reading life fluffy and cheesecake mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> because yep. I won't be able to function. if it's- No, for sure. And you have mentioned before too, that you have also undergone some um, targeted negative yes. behavior. Yeah. Right. So you- yeah. Have you found any books that echo your situation that you could? No. Huh. Never. Never. So um, anybody who's listening, obviously, who doesn't know me, is that I am um, a visible Muslim and I wear hijab and a niqab. And there has been attacks of Muslim women here in Edmonton this past Mm -hmm. year. Um, But there's always been something you know I've had garbage thrown at me I've had people throw cigarettes at me I've had people scream at me yell at me swear at me all these kinds of things um so I almost feel like when there was these attacks on Muslim women here in Edmonton I was like okay and like this has always been happening like I don't what's maybe because it's a sensational news story right now. And, but this has always been like, I just kind of was like, okay. And kept it moving mm-hmm. because it's not anything new. It's not the shocking story that it was for everybody who doesn't live my life. So um, to find stories in books that reflect that I've never come across that ever. Isn't that interesting? Because I I would think, I mean, knowing you and knowing the depths of your character and knowing all the things that contribute to who you are is not limited to what anybody sees. I mean, and that can be said for anybody. Right. But but I'm I'd be curious to know why a story like that is not written mm-hmm. and maybe you should write it. <laughs> I've been told that more than once, actually. (laughs) Because you're raising two girls who are growing up strong, confident, um, very aware of what it means to be a strong woman who reads about strong characters and who embodies all these areas of courage in their lives. And they are going to come across people who have no other desire than to take that down. 100%. So I mean, they're... uh, my kids are Muslim, female, black. Um, so yeah, they're going, they, they have already seen. I, I remember 
this woman was just driving me crazy in the grocery store, just following me around, telling me to get out of Canada. And I don't belong here. And why do I dress like this? And this and that. And my, I mean, it was about four or five. And she just started crying. And she was, please leave my mom alone. And just... And nobody said anything. I don't need anybody to say anything. I just want to put that out there. I don't need anybody. I don't need like some, a man to come or I don't need any of that, but nobody said anything. Nobody who worked there said anything, nothing. Or Ugh. I mean, has had people come, a woman come up to her in a store and tell her she should run that her mom's in a cult. Like all these things have happened. So they've seen it. And I just try to have the best character in that moment that I possibly can to show them that no matter what you choose in life, no matter how you choose to dress or show your beliefs, you are worthy of being a part of this society, no matter what country you live in, no matter what society you live in. Oh, so, seriously, that makes me so angry, Melissa. That I, I just feel like I want to just put my my like mother hen arms around you guys. Just uh, <laughs> and oh. you know, so the, uh, the the you know when people say this is Canada, you why are you dressed like this? My response always is, this is Canada, and we yeah. have a charter of rights which allows freedom of religious expression. <laughs> and yes, then they do. don't know what to say. But half the time, they don't expect that I can speak English. And so they're not expecting any sort of of comment back, um, you know. So oh, I would love to hear the things that you think about later that you didn't <laughs> say because you often have some very witty, sassy comments about things. Yes, I mean, uh, that would be oh. some days where I do give those comments, and it's usually when I don't have my children. Yes. <laughs> I am just tired. Like, I just want to buy this loaf of bread and go home. I don't want to have to deal with your backwards racist ideas. I don't care about them. Like, I don't care about what you think about me. I just want to buy my bread and go home. Like, and so then I have zero tolerance. Like, I have zero tolerance anyways, but I have zero patience. Mm -hmm. Like, to either ignore or be the better person because sometimes I don't want to be the bigger person. Sometimes I am tired and I don't, I, yeah. (laughs) And I, that is the person I am when my kids aren't with me because I have to constantly put my best foot forward as a parent, but even more so in these situations because I need to show them that I have conviction in my decisions and my decisions are my own and it shouldn't matter where I live or how I dress, I affect nobody. I don't understand how my decision to wear a hijab or a niqab affects Buddy at the gas station. Like, how does that affect his life? It doesn't. It It literally doesn't. And the the narrow-minded perspectives of people that have the loudest voices Mm -hmm. often anger the crap out of me. And I, I, the older I get, the less I want to put up with it. And when we were foster parents and had kids of multiple colors, all of us together, and people would look at us and they would say things in front of the kids. And I would say, "Um, I'm sorry, but your ignorance is showing. And my children have just now heard you. You can't take that back. 
Right. And is there anything you'd like to say to make up for that? Right. <laughs> uh, uh, they right. Just, right. Like they don't have any. They have their one line that they yeah. probably are patting themselves on the back for. They think they're just like the wittiest person in the world and then when somebody says something back to them they don't have anything else right because there it's not an intelligent argument like no it's not when people you know call me an arab and tell me to go back to afghanistan i'm like afghanis are persian like if why would an arab go there (laughs) if you're gonna be (laughs) like this at least know what you're talking about (laughs) Come on. And so, oh. you know, it's interesting when I'm with friends, when I'm with people. And I always have told people, like, if somebody's like, oh, you want to go grab a coffee? I tell people, I'm like, I am more than happy to go hang out with you. But you need to know that there might be something that will happen. Mm-hmm. Are you still comfortable going out in public with me? And they're like, <laughs> people are always taken aback. Um, the fact my- that you even have to give that kind of a warning is just so disappointing. Yeah. Right? Because I mean, I've never had anybody say, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> so like, Good. I just, yeah. Good. You know, it's, but to have, I've had people with me and something has happened and they are hours later still so upset on my behalf. And I'm like, yeah. you have to let it go because the guy who drove by in his truck and yelled something isn't giving me a second thought. So I'm not going to let him ruin my entire day. I'm not well, giving him a second thought. People who care about you are offended on your behalf in the same I, way yeah. that when you're reading the Starlight Tours and you're yeah. learning about these things, you are also hurt and offended and you want justice. You want there to be some humanity, some balance of compassion and you're striving for it. So people who are with you, if they see it, they're going to feel something similar because they know it's it's wrong. It's not how we should be with each other. And yeah, if if they I'm can't not so good at erase it, that. no, I'm well, not as good as receiving other people's protection as I am of wanting to protect others. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and, you know, it's I also I just can't let it ruin my life. No, because <laughs> it will. Like if if I just fester on every single instance or comment or anything, I just. Well, when we were when we were at the Pebble Club party, was it last month or two months ago? And we were all outside and we were posing for the photos. <laughs> and you were at the front, you're standing next to me, and you had your the hijab, you had everything covering and <laughs> we were all standing there and you said to Hannah with the camera, Do I have anything in my teeth? <laughs> We got, everybody was laughing. That was when we have all those great photos of us smiling because we were all hysterical. Yeah. Do I have something in my teeth? Like, seriously, even when I think about that, I just, <laughs> I just smile. It was so funny. And it was so, it was so 100% you to be yeah. that authentic and, and to grab that moment. And, and it was just perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I, I can't imagine you not being a part of things like that and adding who you are to any group or room. Like it would just be so less without you there. Well, that's so nice to say. There are times when I debate going to things because I just wonder if I go and somebody says something to me, 
that will ruin everybody's evening. And I don't want to do that. So right. I would not go. But my husband told me to go. And so I went. And but that that is something that, you know, even when I bring my kids to um, guides or soccer or whatever is the first time, I always am afraid. I don't know if a phrase, apprehensive mm -hmm. to take them because what if somebody's parent says something to me that's now going to ruin my kid's experience and I don't want to be responsible for it, even though I'm not the one responsible. It's the person who says things to me. So these are things I always think of before I go anywhere. Will my presence spark a comment that will ruin the experience for everybody else? But if they, if your girls and they know who you are, mm -hmm. if they see how you react to it, yeah, it could give them not an opinion of you or something to feel shame about, but it really tells them more about that person right. than about you. So if it's ruined, it could be in a moment because we all have places where we go and there's somebody who's just mouthy or loud or aggressive in some way and it just does not add to your experience being there. Right. But if your girls and when your girls see that, how they respond to it and see you respond is how they are going to learn to treat it. And their feelings from it will be similar because yeah. you are you are their safe place. Well, I hope so. <laughs> That's yeah. the goal, to be their safe place. Yeah, yeah. you are. Yeah. Okay. Speaking <laughs> of safe place, and we know that books are your safe place. Yes. Let's segue to your stack of books. Okay. So I tell have, me what you brought. Okay, so these are all I have not read them yet. Okay. But these great. are my to be read next. I have my okay. to be read and then I have my to be read next. Oh, so, I like that you broke that down. Yeah, because my to be read is very large <laughs> and it would be intimidating. So out of that I usually pick about three or four books that will be my to be read next for the next month or so, depending on how busy my life is. So got it. Lucifer's tears by James Thompson. I picked up at your store the last, not Friday night's book club, but the book club before inspired by one of our members. Okay. I what's this one this about? Book. So it's a Nordic mystery dark book and so there was um I thought she just loves these books so much let me get in on it and I was so impressed by how she says Toronto <laughs> <laughs> did she say it the right way or the wrong way the, well, she said it she said it the way anybody that is not from Ontario says it so all my Ontario people that are listening she said Toronto she pronounced the second T so <laughs> Anybody from Ontario calls it Toronto. Okay. Not Toronto. I guess I but think Toronto when I say it. Yeah. Toronto? Yep. Yeah. No, Toronto. Tor Toronto? <laughs> Am I saying that wrong too? Toronto? No, that's better. Okay. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I picked up this book. It looks very good, actually. So um, there, it's got an inspector and they're at the Arctic Circle and it's there's Russian businessmen and somebody dies and it's very dark and okay. I, I'm excited yeah. about it. Um, I've also, <laughs> so this past year I've 
in my quest of reading things I would never read, I've started reading some, I don't like vampire books. So I okay. started reading werewolf type things here. Cause there. that's better. I think I'm just really scarred from the toxicity of twilight that I can't read anything that has to do with a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I it's hear you there. Just so. Ugh. Uh-huh. You're going to get letters from Twilight fans. So. <laughs> I hate Twilight. Um, okay. So this, I've, I've also actively been trying to read Canadian authors. So the next book um, is Empire of Wild. Um, and it's by an author from Ontario, uh, Georgian, from Georgian Bay. And it's based in Georgian Bay, which is just anybody who's ever been to Georgian Bay would know. It's breathtaking oh northern ontario is amazing so um this is inspired by an uh, indigenous uh, matey uh story about the werewolves so i'm excited about that and it's supposed it's got one of these stickers so i'm nervous but um i'm really trying to read canadian authors and the stickers then, like uh, like award-winning sticker yeah or- Oh, yeah. Is it the kind of sticker that you can take off or is it embedded right in the cover? it's embedded in the book. Yeah. So as we have discussed, you and I, I have a very love-hate, more of a hate relationship with any book that has been (laughs) awarded any sort of award. Yes. I don't have a good track record with them. I never seem to like them, but I'm going to give this a try. Uh, the author is Canadian, so I feel like I, I owe it to her. Okay. And apparently she is the author of Marrow Thieves. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yes. Very popular oh, book. It's, so the book says. It says mm-hmm. it's a popular book. Mm-hmm. So if I like this one, maybe I'll give that book a try. Um, there- and then I have Five Little Indians. Have you read it? I have not. Now, Jen at the store has mm-hmm. read it loves it and puts it into the hands of anybody who has a handout. She is so for that book. Okay, um, good. You'd be I, super excited that you're going to read that. Yeah, I am. It's got one, two, three, four awards stickers. Oh my gosh. So like this was really a risk for me. Um, and they're all embedded, so. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> the cover art is not meant to have it's, stickers plastered look, all over the right cover. It across this beautiful moon and tree. Like, oh, gee. Anyways, yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm going to read this. I think I'm going to read this when I get out of my current emotional funk. Okay. <laughs> but um, it's not very long. It's only about 300 pages. Uh, so it's not super long. So I feel like it will be a good, it's not like an 800 page book where I'm going to take a lot of time. Maybe I can read it, absorb it, feel it and move on. And what's the premise of that one? So this is, um, tracing the lives of residential school survivors. And it's fiction. Is it? Yep. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm, five Little Indians is a fictional account of five people who have left and try to um, establish life on their own. So it is a fictional story, but it is based on actual yeah. experiences. Yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, nothing fictional can probably be worse than what has actually happened. Um, so... And then this is a maybe. I've had this book for a while. I found this book on your podcast. And this will only happen if something wonderful happens in my life. And I have the emotional capacity to read A Little Life. Oh, my word. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk about A Little Life. <laughs> Okay. I feel like everybody who talks about Little Life has to have a sigh when they approach this this title. So what was it about that book that made you feel like you wanted to dive in? Okay, so um, I don't remember who it was that you had Rick. on your podcast. Okay. Rick. Yeah. Listening to him talk about this book instantly... Okay, anybody who doesn't know, and nobody would know this but Brandy and whoever she makes me tell on the spot. <laughs> I listen to this podcast in the shower. <laughs> I listen to this podcast while I shower because that yes. is the only time in my life I am by myself. <laughs> and it is quiet. And I instantly got out of the shower and wrote this title down and got back into the shower and continued to listen to the podcast. Yep. The hearing him talk about this book and how <laughs> how it emotionally ruined everybody <laughs> made me want to read it for some sick reason. And I remember I got out of the shower and I messaged you and I said, do you have any copies of this book? And you said, I have one left. I'll hold it for you for a week. And I was in the store the next day and I bought yeah. the book yeah. and that was a while ago I'm not gonna lie I've had this book at least all summer and it's kind of just been sitting there and I've just been nope Brandy told me I'm not ready to read it yet <laughs> and, I think about it, and I go to read it I'm like you know if I asked Brandy today and I told her how I felt and what was going on with me emotionally would uh -huh. I be able to read this book? And I think to myself, no. Brandy would tell me no. Right. So it is constantly on my to-be-read next list, not just on my to-be-read list, and it just hasn't happened yet. So, Well, I think you're wise to pace it out because, I mean, and let's, let me just start by saying pretty much any book that Rick talks about I am completely compelled to investigate. He's right. so good at talking about books and making them right in front of me and possible. Like I just, I, I love how he talks about books. So Rick, if you're listening, you are an absolute king. I'm so grateful for you. Um, but A Little Life by Hanya Yagihara is not an easy read. And yeah. one of the things about it that people do agree is it's it's hard to read, but it 
in in a good way like it is very emotional and there's not a whole lot of release it's not like an up and down book it's it's hard and then then you get a little break and then it's hard like it's not one of those books that has a happy ending no spoiler alerts but i mean come on it's look at the cover you'll know um and and but it's one of those books yes so i mean his pained expression on the cover I mean, that photo yeah. is just iconic in terms of what you're going to get when you read that book. And I think it's one of those, it's a safe hurt is the best way I can explain it. Everybody in that book goes through something and um, Jude, I think, is the main character. And what he personally goes through, I feel as if I'm reading it and I'm right there with him. But yeah. I am also reading it in a safe place. I'm safe. I'm comfortable. I'm okay. Everything around me is fine. So I can dive into that. Right. So when you're going to go into something that is emotionally hard, I always feel so grateful that in books, we can do that from a safe place. Right. So if I'm going to read a book like this, I prefer that it's fiction. <laughs> because I just, I feel like I have more pass for it when I right. know that it's maybe it just made actually. up. Yeah. Although, some people have said, yes, I know somebody who has a similar kind of story. And oh, my heart breaks for them. So yes, yeah. you are right to hold off on this one. But <laughs> but it is um, it is going to be so good when you eventually do. <laughs> like, I, I really want to hear what you think. That podcast was probably one of my favorite episodes. <clears throat> and my, my list of books that I needed to add to me to be read list grew significantly and yeah. I just but that book just I got out of the shower wrote it down and got back into the shower to finish listening to the podcast so mm -hmm. that is the problem with listening to your podcast in the shower is that <laughs> I can't write down the you have good show notes though so then I usually oh, go good. back and can see the show notes but I did want to just recommend um, one book, if I can. Yes. Um, so this book, I don't know who I'm recommending it to. I, I, it's just, I read it when I was a teenager and it, I read it over and over so many times that I had duct tape sticking it together and it was always in my, my bag. I think I brought it to more than one party. Um, you brought books it. to a party? Uh, well, I always have books in my bag. Oh, you're so cute. Well, yeah, my friends thought I was in that job, but that's okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, so uh, it's by Essie Hinton, and everybody knows that is the author of The Outsiders. Uh -huh. um, but that was then, and this is now, was a book that changed me, and I'm not sure how or why. It just, any, okay, so anybody who doesn't know, it was set in the 60s, um, and it was these two guys, Mark and Douglas, and they were raised in the same house. They're not brothers, but they're like brothers. One of the boys' um, mom took the other in, and it was, their relationship went different directions. They It disintegrated. And it was just watching one of them find themselves and one of them lose themselves. And then oh, what happened at the end? And I can't give it away, but it just showed me at that young age 
that the friendships that you thought were forever might not be. And that one decision can really change a lot. Mm-hmm. And it dealt with a lot of, it was the 60s, so there's, um, you know, love and acid and all that kind of stuff. And things were not as rosy as one has these romantic visions of the 60s being. So I think that that is a really, I don't know, to me, it was a very, very important book. And I can't really say why. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a book that I always recommend to people. And nobody has really ever heard of it. They've always heard about the outsiders. Yeah. And I mean, Essie Hinton, which a lot of people don't realize is, and I didn't know this when the outsiders was such a big deal and we all watched the movie and all our, you know, sleepovers and oh my gosh, soda pop and the whole deal. But the Essie Hinton is a girl. She was a young girl who wrote the outsiders when I she was in school. I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that shocking? She was just like a young girl who wrote a book for school Wow. and they, and it got published. And she writes these books about boys, like young men. Yeah. And they're usually like in these tough gang kind of environments and experiences. And they they go through things that are tough and stuff. And yeah, she. So and, interesting. Amazing. I would have never known. Yeah. I, ne- I, I just assumed it was a man. Uh-huh. So did I. And oh. I think that was then This Is Now was also the film that had Emilio Estevez in it. I didn't know it was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I always try to stay away from the movies. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong with that. Yeah, I don't think the movie's any good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually we were all still high on The Outsider, so we would watch the movie <laughs> right. Like, oh, you wrote it? Just make a movie about it. Yeah, no, I... Yeah. It was just such an interesting... Maybe it's just the time that I read it. Maybe if I had read it for the first time as an adult, I would have not given it a second thought. I'm not sure, but it just... Um, where I was in my life, uh, and the importance that I put on the friendships and the people around me in my life at the time, I think it was an important book for me at that time. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love that a book that doesn't seem like a typical young girly kind of book can be the one that just propels you into having all the right feelings and feeling motivated to keep chasing more stories. Yeah. The one that I think about, too, wasn't a typical girl book either. It was called No Promises in the Wind by Irene Hunt. And it was a story about, I think his name was Joshua, Josh, um, during the Depression in the States. And they realized he had a little brother. And in his family, they realized the dad wasn't working, I think. And they didn't have enough money. So the parents were going without food to give the kids food. And he was trying to think how he could raise money for his family. So he decided to run off and join the circus, like jump on a train. And his young brother followed him. And I mean, the things that he encountered and the tragedies and stuff were not your typical like young girl sort of princessy, you know, cozy. Yeah. I was not into any of that either. Like was you were reading us. Yeah. Like that was not fun, lighthearted stuff, but it no. was so engaging about how young people could go through things and overcome things yeah. that were completely out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And it, it propelled me to also consider, huh, there are other kids out there who have different lives than I do. I wonder what other ones I can find. 
Then I read all the things Irene Hunt did because she seemed to only write about kids in the depression and going through tough stuff. And they were not easy books. Um, But you're right. Like, I think reading those things, it makes you a better human. It makes you a stronger reader. And you just never know where reading that book will take you in terms of your next read and what you will do next. I think that's fun. Me too. I think the only kind of typical quote unquote girly books that I read were the Judy Blooms. Yeah. And I think that those are just more coming of age. And I, but I never gravitated towards what, like the little house on the prairies and the the books that little girls at that time, quote unquote, should have been reading. You didn't read Sweet Valley High? I did not. Oh, well, no, I can't. I, I can't judge. Purple and inviting friends yep. over. <laughs> I, I think was, that's hilarious. Yeah, so I love that you got in trouble for that. <clears throat> yeah, I got in trouble <laughs> for recommending the color purple to all my little friends. <laughs> oh, Melissa! Oh my gosh! Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. This, what can you say? I, wow. The thing is, my sister is a huge reader, and she's 10 years older than me. <clears throat> so my way to connect with her was to ask her if I could borrow her books. Mm-hmm. And that was my into her bedroom, was to, like, knock and say, oh, can I borrow a book? And that was my way in. So I was reading books that were not age-appropriate. And that my way in with my brother, who's seven years older than me, was to ask him if I could borrow his tapes and CDs. And so I was listening to Pearl Jam when I was like seven. So yeah, it's, you know, I guess I have my tastes were older than my age at that time. Well, that's okay. I, you know, you know me, I'm not a big person on reading at your age level. I think that that's too limiting. And I think the books that are often written for a certain age discount all of the world that happens around them influenced by older people. And I, um, I think we get more from multiple age perspectives in our reading. So I'm, I'm for that. I love the idea that a young person out there is like me who's reading the thorn birds and flowers in the attic yeah. and um, the shining in grade seven, like all of these yeah. things, read them all, whatever. It's okay. 100%. I don't censor. And I've had a lot of conversations with other parents and they think I'm in that job, but I don't censor Mina's reading at all, except for one thing. And that is sexual content. Mm-hmm. She's 10. She does not need a vivid explanation of some things. Um, but other than that, if you want to read The Hunger Games, read The Hunger Games. If you mm-hmm. want to read what, you know, about Auschwitz, read it. Like, I'm not, the world is not sugarcoated, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you because you need no. to be prepared for it. But the only thing, and I ask you all the time when she brings a book, and I just kind of whisper to you, I'm like, is there a lot of sex in this? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and if there is, I tell her no. That's the only thing. She's 10. She's got a whole lifetime for that. <laughs> She really does. And there will be no shortage of it when she's older. It's so yeah. Yeah. So it seems seems to be something that pops up very early now in kids' stories. mm -hmm. YA and teen books have an awful lot more content than when I was younger for sure. Now I sound like somebody's grandma. When I was little, (laughs) yeah. I just said I borrowed my brother's tapes. (laughs) (laughs) See, and I heard that and I didn't even get yeah, tapes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I get that. I'm with you. Yeah. 
So I don't censor her reading <clears throat> except for that. So That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Melissa, you are one of the greatest things I have found at the store. And having Aww. you come in with Amina and Samaya all the time is just it, it makes me so happy. And to see you in the book club and the pedal club and all the things and knowing that your community of readers is growing and, and you're feeling safe and all those things. I, I'm seriously just so pumped about you and all the things that your girls are going to do as they get older because they're going oh. to be a force to be reckoned with. Well, Amina's already decided where her first job will be. So that is your yeah. store. Because yeah. she has... She has the history, she said. She, the experience. So, she did. Yeah. yeah. She came and worked on her, her volunteer girl guide badge at the store. Yes. Yes, she did. So, she did a great job. She, uh, well, I just appreciate you so much. And I want you to know that the store is my safe place. It is my safe place in the city and it's a safe place really in my heart. And my, I just feel very safe and happy and welcome in your store. I'm, I'm glad. so glad that you've become my friend. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and even through this conversation, people are going to hear and know just a little bit more about how amazing you are. So thank you for shining a little bit of light on that because to keep you all to myself felt just a little bit selfish. Oh. I felt like I needed to I needed to share you with the world. <laughs> we'll see if the world is ready. <laughs> oh, that's true. They might not be ready. <laughs> if they've made it this far in the conversation, I'm sure that they're ready. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I appreciate it so much. And I just love to be part of the podcast that I is part of my shower routine. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna listen to your own voice in the shower now. Oh, no, I'm not gonna listen to this. What? I can't. <laughs> Well, you have to listen to it because you're not even, I'm going to have an intro and a, a thing that I say at the end. You have to hear the whole thing. Okay. Well, okay. If you tell and then be, to, be inspired by your own courage and steadfastness and all of those things that you, you stand for because you can hear it in your voice. So when okay. you hear it, I hope that you are also encouraged to be like, yeah, damn it. Yes. I do think those things and I am a force and all those things. All right. I'll listen to it. Okay. 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 <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what I need is more of my own voice. <laughs> See? How often do you get it, though? You hear everybody else and you hear the that's kids, right. but you don't really hear you. No, I don't. It's your turn. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when we went off the air, Melissa and I just kept talking because, you know, that's what we do. And we were laughing about how this feels like the conversations that we have every time she comes into the store. It's just sitting down, hanging out, getting to know people, and finding out what makes them amazing. I love our community. I'm so grateful that I had this chance to hang out with Melissa and that you could hear it because, really, she is extraordinary. Thank you, Melissa, for having a conversation with us. It was so fun. As you know, this podcast doesn't have any commercials. I kind of love that, don't you? So... Because we don't have any commercials, I need you guys to tell people about this podcast, share it with your friends, post it on social media, get more ears on it. That would be the best because it really helps this podcast get seen and every review that you post helps us bump up on the search for it. So 
Whatever you can do to help would be awesome. I'm not asking you for any money. I never would. But really, you being a part of our community is so fabulous. And I am so grateful for you. Thank you for every share. Thank you for every like. Thank you for giving us your listening time. Now go make the world a better place. Be relevant. Be generous. Be unforgettable. And may your reading life be extraordinary. Talk to you soon.